Good morning, church. I don't know whether the small water bottle is to say, Merv, keep it short. Let's get out of here. Or whether there's a shortage of water in these parts. It is California. Who knows? Could be both. If you have your Bibles still open, please turn to Daniel chapter 6. And while you're still turning there, I just want to say that it is again a privilege to be with you here to open up God's Word. It's always nice to see familiar faces. Some have got a little more scraggly. He's not sitting right there. Darn it. Where did he go? He's gone. But it's always a privilege to be here right out the bat. It's wonderful what a couple of months can do. I stood here before Christmas, fine, healthy, and the Lord said, no. I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease about three weeks ago, and my life will never be the same again. Peanut butter is my enemy, okay? Darn it. I came all the way to America for peanut butter, and now I can't have it. So if you see me dashing off to the right, because the bathrooms are that way, bear with me. Pastor Jeff goes left. Yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, I told him I would tease him about it. Okay, but... I do thank you. We're here in the strength of the Lord. Certainly not my own, I can tell you. This week has been rough. It's been difficult. But as Daniel walked into that den of lions, so do we every day as Christians. Might not be ferocious animals with snarling teeth, but it's the devil against us in the world in which we live. So this morning, I hope to encourage you. I hope to build you up in your faith. I hope you to leave here more exuberant and more faithful for the Lord than when you walked in. So to do that, let's open up God's holy word, okay? Daniel 6, verse 14. Let's hope we can pronounce all the words correctly. Satraps, okay? Doesn't sound any different when I say it. Verse 14 says this. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then... At the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lions' mouths and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. 
Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out, up out of the den. So Daniel was taken, taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they had reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Amen. Here endeth the reading of God's word. Let us come to him now and let's pray. Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we humbly come before you this morning on this your day with this your people here in this your house to sing praises that we've done, to read your holy word, to now come in the stillness of our hearts and in our minds to draw attention to what your word would have us to learn and to put into practice in our lives in these days. We pray for this message that we will bring forth. Dear Lord, the smallest child knows the story of Daniel in the lion's den. But do the Christians really believe it? Dear Lord, we pray this morning that you would send forth your spirit to encourage us. To see indeed that you are the one true and living God. That you're the God who reigns in heaven above and on the earth beneath where we are this very day. Dear Lord, if we're downcast, build us up. If our souls are cold towards you, we pray this morning that they would become inflamed and that they would return to their one true love. For those, dear Lord, who perhaps are in bypath meadows, we pray this morning that you and your kindness would bring them to yourself, that you would take them, arrest their hearts, and draw them close to you, that we could rejoice seeing that you indeed are a God who can do wondrous things. Dear Lord, we pray that you would bring salvation to this very room, this very day, even as those young children in the back learn their lessons. We pray for the teachers, that you would, would give them the power that only you can give, and that you, dear Lord, would save souls early in life. We leave all these things before you in Christ's name. Amen. In the famous children's show, Sesame Street, and I know it gets a bad rap nowadays, but Sesame Street, the show begins with that famous song that we could all hymn and sing along to, but please don't this morning. And very quickly, one of the characters will pop up, and he'll give a letter for the day or a number that throughout the whole show, 
gets really annoying, but they keep saying the same darn thing over and over and over again. Numbers, letters, words, whatever. That's my aim this morning. Not to have you think that I'm Big Bird or anything else, but that you would think upon this one word from Daniel 6, and as you leave through those doors this morning, that that word would still be going on in your mind. That word is faithful. You see, the very first time that we meet Daniel is when he is a young man or a young boy in Babylon. He's been taken captive. He's been told to eat food that he knows he can't. And he takes a stand for what is right. He's faithful. We meet him again a few years later in chapter 2, when as a young man he's called to interpret the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And even though the king has sent out that decree that if you can't do it, that you'll be torn in pieces, Daniel is faithful. He's faithful to his God above all else. He shows up again in chapter 4 as a middle-aged man who again is asked to interpret a dream. Once again, Daniel is simply found rolling along in his Christian life and remaining faithful. There he is again in chapter 5, standing for God and being faithful. In the text that we've just read this morning, Daniel again rolls into view. Here he is, a man in probably his mid-80s. He's been in Babylon for some 70-odd years. And yet, Daniel has not veered the course. What he started out as a young man, he is still the same that we've just read in Daniel 6. He is faithfully serving the God who saved him. Daniel never made a big splash in Babylon. Though he was continually being promoted through the ranks of many governments, and then he ended up at the position, as we would call it, of prime minister, nothing really changed in Babylon, did it? Even though Daniel in chapter 1 looked really healthy, the people didn't flock to God. They still kept with their idols. In chapter 2, when Daniel was able to interpret that dream, did anything change in Babylon? No, nothing changed. You see, those Babylonian people were so accustomed to their lifestyle and to what they did and their idols and sacrificing and all the rest that they didn't want to turn. But Daniel didn't turn the opposite direction either. After all those years of being influenced by God's people, by seeing Daniel do all these wonderful things by the power of God, Babylon is unchanged. The rulers might have changed in name, but they're still idolatrous, they're still cruel, they're still very wicked. There's been no great revivals in Babylon. It seems that actually really few were actually impressed by Daniel himself and all the many things that he did. It seems that in all his faithfulness to God, all it did was put the spotlight on him and make those around him jealous. Make those around him hate him. Make those around him make his life a misery and actually try as best they could to get him killed. Daniel was a faithful man. Yet he found himself in a terrible place. In this passage, Daniel is indeed cast into that lion's den. 
He's sentenced to die for doing nothing more than being faithful. He held fast to what made him a faithful man, and that was his God. See, Daniel kept the faith. Throughout all these trials, throughout all these tribulations, Daniel was a man of faith. This morning, I want to show you that it's possible to be faithful in spite of what trial, in spite of what others around you are doing, in spite of what the world throws at you, that you too can be faithful. That you too can be just like Daniel was, faithful to his God, even in dark and difficult times that we live in. So this morning, first of all, we want to look at Daniel's character. So if you're taking notes, that's point number one, Daniel's character. And I've almost half this water drunk already. Oh, you could be out of here in 20 minutes. It's great. <laughs> Small sips. Darius appointed 120 princes to rule over his kingdom. These men helped ensure that Darius and his kingdom were protected from any theft, perhaps any tax evasion. It's getting to tax season, everyone. You know, these people were running around saying, hey, did you do the right numbers? Are you fudging it any way to get a little bit more or not have to pay a huge bill? You know, they were looking around on the walls to make sure that there was no invasions coming, to make sure that there was no military revolts even within the camp. These men ruled over specific provinces. In Northern Ireland, we have what's called counties. Not sure about California. Probably you do. I need to do more learn California. Don't lynch me on the way out, okay? But in Northern Ireland, we have what we have, counties. So I lived in County Londonderry. There was County Andrum. So I would be County Londonderry, okay? These men did the same. They looked over a small amount of land, but in the whole scheme, they all came together to look after it. Darius also had vice regents, okay? A little bit above those guys. And then, boom, there was Daniel. Daniel answered directly to the king. Why is this so amazing? Why did I even draw this to your attention? Well, it's this. Daniel is a slave. Don't ever forget Daniel chapter 1. How did he get here? He was a slave. He was brought to Babylon as a young man. Enslaved, he was taken from his home. His, his, they were tried to be trained in the way of Babylonian courts and all the rest. But yet, through it all, even though he's in this great place of prominence, and even though these weird people have put him up there, Daniel is still faithful to his God above all else. Doesn't matter what rank he has, his God is the one who he answers to. After 70 years of faithful service, this former slave has become the prime minister of the most powerful government in the world. To Daniel, it's really nothing. You see, Daniel had a problem. It wasn't the fact that he was right up there. It was the fact that all these rulers who he looked after were jealous. They sought to destroy him time and time and time again. After all, look, he was a Hebrew. He was a slave. They were Babylonians. What's this guy doing up there? They shouldn't have to bow down to the likes of Daniel. So they played, sadly, the vanity of the king. The king likes to have his ego puffed up. 
And in verses 6 to 9, it tells us that they devised a plan to get Darius to make a law. A law that no one could pray to any god or even make a request of any person for 30 days. So no one else. The king thought, hmm, I like the sound of that. Okay. It was, to, it was what Darius thought it was, was to place him even higher again. To have him the center of everyone's thoughts. To have him be the one that everyone thought about. You see, Darius signed it not because of the law, but because it fed his ego and his pride. And there he was, got his big pen or whatever he wrote, and he signed it. Daniel's problem was that he was faithful to the Lord. The unbelievers around him hated him for it. They despised him because he was different. He was honest and he was real. Daniel was everything that they couldn't be. And they really could not stand him for it. Thus, they, dis- they, despise, or they devised a plan to get rid of him. This morning, brothers and sisters sitting in those nice, comfortable gray chairs with the heating going and water at our hand when we need it. This is our sanctuary. This is where we come to get away from the world Jesus said this, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Paul also warns us that persecution would follow the faithful. He says in 2 Timothy 3, Yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall suffer persecution. It's common. If it hasn't already come to some, people are leaving this state. If you intend to leave, may the Lord bless you. I don't know why you would leave California. Seriously, look at that day out there. It's glorious. Okay? But I get why people leave. But if everybody left, who would... Minister to the lost. That's my one line, exclamation part, moving on. Okay, please stay, fight the good fight here. The Bible tells us that Darius promoted Daniel because of something. Daniel had an excellent spirit. The word excellent means preeminent. Daniel has a spirit in him that set him apart from everyone around him. This morning I ask you, is that you? See, you all look alike this morning. That might sound like a stupid statement from an Irishman, but you do. You all sing from the one hymn sheet. You're all well-dressed. You're all here to worship the one true and the living God. But what happens when you walk through those doors? Look at that. Son, I don't know who you are, but you're awesome. And I hope your parents give you more pocket money than your wallet can hold. 
Eric's shaking his head going, that's my boy. <laughs> you see, when other presidents of the kingdom want to find some deficiency in Daniel that they might attack, they couldn't find anything. There was no skeletons in Daniel's closet. There was nothing hidden in his life. Daniel was basically an open book. Daniel was faithful and faultless. Does that mean he was sinless? No. But that was his testimony among the lost. They could find nothing wrong in his life. When they couldn't find any sin or any secrets in his life that they could exploit, they had to try and find some way to use his faithfulness of his God against him. They knew that Daniel indeed was a man of prayer. So they, they, they asked Darius, hey, look, outlaw prayer for 30 days. They knew that Daniel would continue to pray. And they saw it as their opportunity of getting Daniel whoosh, out of the road. And they weren't disappointed. But before we move on, let's pause to ask ourselves this question. What's hidden in your life? If we were able to pull down a screen from here, and we were able to project the things that are being done in your life, would you be ashamed? I would. I'm not a perfect man. Heck, I even got angry with my wife just yesterday. Are things that would flash up there that would embarrass you or your family? Are there things that would come up that would dishonor the church, the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, and indeed our Heavenly Father? If there are sins that you're hiding, don't hide them any longer. Christ tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. What do you think Daniel done three times a day? Prayed and confessed and worshipped his God. He adored him, he confessed him, he gave him thanksgiving, and then he, I'm no doubt, brought him supplication. When we do it in God's way, indeed our sins are truly forgiven. Our hearts indeed are cleansed. If we don't handle our sins in His way, we can be sure that, as Numbers tells us, be sure your sins indeed will find you out. And that goes for all you little children as well. Yep. Mommy and Daddy might never know what you do. I'll certainly never know what you do. But God will. This morning I urge all of us, saint and sinner, repent of your sins. For us saints, return to God. The difficult days are coming. We need to be ready. 
We need to be ready that if God indeed brings persecution to our door, that we can meet it head on. That we can get on our knees and we can cry on to the Lord for his help. This morning, brothers and sisters, we need to be faithful. Even in difficult things like our sins, be faithful one to another. Husbands, be faithful with your wives. Wives, be faithful with your husbands. Church member to church member, do not be afraid. It shows love. When my wife corrects me, do you think the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, I love you, sweetheart. I can tell you no. But once I've simmered down and at all, and I look back and I go, you know what? My wife does love me. Okay? Be faithful to God and to one another. So that was Daniel's character. What's Daniel's choices? When the king signed that decree, Daniel was faced with a choice. Should he remain faithful to the Lord? Or should he bow in vanity to the king? Simple. Pray not to pray. You see, watching Daniel face this crisis in Daniel 6, and when you've read that chapter over and over and over and over again, you kind of get the impression that this really wasn't a crisis for Daniel at all. Listen, if you've been a young boy of whatever age he was, and you've told, King, I'm not eating your food. And then the next thing, there's this huge fiery furnace, and you see your friends getting thrown in there, and you're going, wow, and they come out. He's thinking, what a God I have. Daniel, throughout all of these things, remains faithful, and God remains faithful to Daniel. And Daniel chooses obedience to God over opportunities in the world. You see, Daniel didn't open his windows after the decree was made. Read it. The windows were already opened. All Daniel did was the same that he'd always done. He got on his two kneecaps and he went towards Jerusalem and he cried out to his God. God promises to hear our prayers. F, we pray to him. You see, Daniel also chose faithfulness to God over the favor of the king. For Daniel, when Darius signed that paperwork or that decree, it made no difference to him. He simply went before the Lord and prayed and gave thanks three times a day as he did before. Nothing changed. He chose devotion to God over the decree of the king. The decree was for 30 days. For many, they could have simply not prayed for that period of time. But not Daniel. He was faithful to the Lord. He couldn't even go, what, six hours between praying. He had to get on his knees and pray. He chose bowing before the God of heaven than bowing to his enemies. 
The desire of Daniel's enemies was to bring him down. But imagine if Daniel had it closed his windows. If he had said, you know what, I'm not going to pray. What would that have said about the whole 80 plus years that he lived? Daniel refused to bow to the will of even these wicked men. He chose instead to remain faithful to his God. He chose a faithful testimony over fleeting treasures. For Daniel, prayer was of more importance than all the treasure or all the popularity that the world could offer. He chose commitment over compromise. Consider for a moment the excuses Daniel could have made for not praying. He's 80 years old. Are there any 80-year-olds here this morning? Great. Wow, you're a young, young church. It's awesome. He's 80 years old. He's probably riddled with arthritis. He lives in a sin-cursed world just like we do. But he didn't have the medicines we do to keep him going. I'm sure he was tired. Heck, I'm only 37 and I'm exhausted. He's 80. He was busy. He's the prime minister of Babylon. Look, that just isn't, you know, sitting behind a computer desk. Not that they had computers. But sitting there doing nothing. He was going around talking and doing things and being, doing what a prime minister does. It was said that when Margaret Thatcher was prime minister of the UK, she got three hours of sleep a night. That's why she looked so terrible. <laughs> so sleep is very important. Yet Daniel didn't make any excuse. I'm old. Who cares? I'm tired. Who cares? I'm a wrinkly old man because I don't get any sleep. Who cares? I'm going to get on my knees, not once, not twice, but three times a day. Daniel knew what was right. Daniel chose faithfulness over freedom. He was willing to give it all up. He was willing to give up who he was and what he had, but he was not willing to give up his commitment to God. And this probably is the most starking one of all. He chose love over life. The decree very clearly said that whoever prayed to anyone else would be thrown in a den of lions. What did he do? Hide around the corner so no one would see him? No. He went to where he always went. He went to his room with the windows open and he knew that the minute he put, these 80s probably getting down on one knee to start with and then the second one, the minute he put that knee in the ground, that was his death sentence. But he was willing to die for his God. He was willing to give up all the temporal things and he was even willing to give up his own life to be faithful to God. Wouldn't the church be vastly different if church members had the same type of commitment? And this is where the rubber meets the road. You see, we allow everything to come between us and being faithful to God. 
Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, prayer meetings, youth meetings, kids clubs, they've all become optional activities for the modern church member. I'll ask you a question. Do you ever forget to eat your dinner? No, you're all pretty healthy looking. There's no one really thin. Okay? Then why do you forget to pray or to read your Bible? Most Christians sadly don't pray like they should. Most Christians sadly don't even read their Bibles every day. Most Christians, when gospel opportunities arise, what do they do? They flee. Many are sadly willing to sacrifice their testimonies and their commitment to the Lord on that altar of convenience, of pleasure, and sadly worldly ambition. As I drove here this morning and I dropped my family off at IBC, I turned the radio off and I turned my AC on. And you're going, why on earth did you do that? Because we take comforts in this world all too easily. This morning when we woke up, we were in our nice warm beds. We had a choice. Do I get up and go to church or do I just lie here and relax? Take it easy. We then get up and we pull the fridge door open and we pull out our food and we make a breakfast. And maybe we're thinking, wow, who did the groceries this week? Let's go get breakfast. Let's not worry about church. We're hungry. Let's go eat some good food. But I'm thankful this morning that Greg had to ask that everyone move to the middle. Why? Because there was people standing in that door waiting to get in. That's faithfulness. That's what it looks like. I pray that in this room, and like I told you, I turned the AC off. Why? Because when I pray, I hate to get hot. It's just a thing. It's a weird Irish thing. It's okay. We prayed in the rain. I wish you guys had more rain, but we pray in the rain. But there's things that we do. And when, as I was driving here up 80, which is a nuts of a freeway, I was praying with my eyes opened, okay, that in this room this morning that God would raise up young men and young women like Daniel in our day. I, I, I can't tell you enough. I love when this family sits in the front row. It's awesome. I love all of you guys, but this is like a highlight for me. Because you know why? There's a lot of little beady eyes looking at me. I don't know whether they're rolling up tissue paper to shoot at me, but not to give you any ideas. It's the young people sit over here. You guys are all older over here. <laughs> kind of split. But I pray and I plead, and it should be the prayer of everyone here, that that group of young people, and even the ones that are in the back, would have courage and faithfulness like Daniel. Would to God that he would give us men and women who would settle for nothing less than absolute obedience to the will of God in their lives. The fact is, brothers and sisters, that we give up way too easy. 
This morning I ask you, how committed are you? How committed am I? Diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Do I use it as a crutch? And be like, I don't really feel that too well, I'll just stay at home. Merv, get out that door, son, and get to church. If our enemies came after us like they did Daniel, I fear that for many of us, that we would just give up. Where are the faithful Christians that would rather die than dishonor their Lord? Where are the dedicated, committed believers who are determined to be faithful even to the point of death? If you were faced with Daniel's dilemma, pray or get ripped apart. What would you do? Daniel was a mere man. But he had a mighty God. We have a mighty God. The God of Daniel is our God. The God that Daniel cried out to three times a day is the one who we can cry out to. But do we do it? Are we faithful to cry on to him? See, thirdly, Daniel faced a problem. When Daniel's enemies saw him praying before the Lord, they took that, accus- that, that accusation to the king. And they said, King, I'm sorry, look, you've signed this thing, and there's no loopholes to get out of it. There's no small print. The fact is, Daniel broke the law of the king, but Daniel did not break the law of the Lord. Daniel did what the Lord commanded, even when it contradicted what the government demanded. You see, the Bible tells us that we indeed are to obey the rulers of the land. But when the laws contradict what God's word tells us to do, we have to obey God. When we are taken up before our human resource manager because we've spoken out against the LGBT movement. When we speak up about abortion and how wicked and sinful it is to take the life of an unborn. When we have to stand there and make a choice to open my mouth and say nothing. Or to open my mouth and perhaps lose everything for the sake of the gospel. You see, the days are coming, and in fact, they're already here, that our faith will be tested. When our faith could indeed cost us everything on this earth, you know what? Who cares? And I don't say that flippantly. I hope you understand that. I have a wife and three kids and a house to take care of and a car to all the rest. But we have a God who sent his son to die for us. We have a God who rules heaven and earth. A God who was faithful to Daniel and who will be faithful to us as well. Who has been faithful to us. 
You see, Daniel was taken, and he was thrown into that lion's den. This is not some kid's story here. These are real lions, okay? If we could all do a field trip and head to the zoo in Sacramento. Do they have a lion in Sacramento? Yeah, they probably do. They have lions everywhere. Belfast Zoo. I know they've won a Belfast. That's Northern Ireland, by the way. Okay? And those lions are pretty thin-looking, okay? And if they see me coming, that would be breakfast, lunch, and evening meal all in one. Okay? What's the natural recourse of a lion when he's hungry and he sees red meat? Is it's not to go meow? No, it's to go, come here, boy, you're mine. Okay? Daniel was cast into that lion's den. Children, understand this. Those lions are not little pussycats. Okay? These are ferocious lions who we'll read off in a little bit. No one ever entered a lion's den and nothing happened. Apart from Daniel. If I was to take you and throw you into the den, see you later, because you ain't coming out. That's why they always are fearful. That's why there's huge walls around lions' dens, so no one can get in. But these are real lions. These are real people. This is a real living God. Fourthly, Daniel's conquest. When Daniel is thrown into that lion's den, we read something very remarkable. Darius returns to his palace, and he's surrounded by his wealth, by his servants, by all this wonderful things around him, but he's consumed with guilt. He now sees that indeed he is a foolish man to sign that decree. And he wrestles with no sleep until dawn. And then he runs with trembling and please let him be all right. Then Daniel answers the king and says, you know what? I'm all right. The lions didn't hurt me. I'm all good. They raise Daniel up out. Daniel's fine. Daniel's story is this. God honors faithfulness. Because Daniel remained faithful to God, even to the very point of death, God indeed was faithful to him. And he delivered him from all his enemies, from all the decrees of the king, from all the power of the lions. Daniel succeeded because Daniel was faithful to his God because he loved his God above all else. Brothers and sisters, we may never face a den of lions, and I hope we don't. Man, if those days ever come back, oh, I'm the first one in. It's like, look at him, throw him in, they'll maybe not be hungry. We may never face a burning, fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did. But we might have to face some other trial. We might have to face times of sickness. The last two months of my life have been a nightmare. There may be a time of sorrow, 
I have a grandmother hours away from death and a mother two beds up in hospital as well. There may be a time of distress. I look at my three kids and I think, Lord, when are you going to save them? And so do you. Some in this room might have faced persecution already. Some of you have faced death even since the last time I've been here. You've buried a loved one or a relative. Some here might even have suffered hardship, financial struggles, struggles in your marriage, rebellious kids, whatever they might be. But through all these things, the Lord demands one thing. He demands that we be faithful to Him. He has promised that He indeed will never leave us nor forsake us. He's promised us that His grace is sufficient for all of our needs. He's promised to guide us through every step of life. He's promised to meet every need we have in life. Not want, but need. And He has promised to hear us and to help us when we call upon His name. There's so much more that He's promised to do for us. Why? Because He loves us. Because we are His children. But we as his children need to remain faithful. There's one sentence that every child of God wants to hear on that last day. And that is, well done, good and faithful servant. It's my prayer that I'll hear those words. It's my prayer that you, saints here at Veritas, that that would be your goal in life. That eternity would not be something way up there, but it would be in the back of your eyeballs. That that is what your mind, that you would be focused upon, not the things of this earth, the temporal things that moth and rust can take away, but eternity. There are some things, look, that we can't do. If you were in the row in front of me when I was singing, you'll know that I'm not a very good singer. And the back two rows are laughing because they know it's right. I may have volume, but I don't have any pitch. That's why I'm not at the front. Okay? We can't say that we have left everything to serve the Lord because we haven't. We still have things. We can't say that we've given our life for the gospel, otherwise we wouldn't be here. There are a lot of things that we can't do. There's one thing that we can. We can be found faithful. We can be found faithful to the Lord who has redeemed us from our sins. We can be found faithful to do the tasks that He has asked us to do. We can be faithful to pray. We can be faithful to read His Word 
not as a mere checkbox that we can tick off and say we've done it, but faithfully pray to Him. Men, when is the last time you wept when you prayed? Christ looked over Jerusalem and He saw the people and He wept over it. When is the last time, and I say this as a man, us prideful men that don't like to bring out our emotions, when is the last time we wept for a loved one who's not a believer? The ladies put us to shame. When is the last time when we read our Bibles that we were so excited that we couldn't contain it and whoever was in the house, we told them about it? We'd see a neighbor walking past and, you know, not that you go and grab them by the throat, but you're like, hey, look what I read this morning in my Bible. When we get excited about these things, we're called to be a faithful witness. We're called to be salt and light in the world where God has placed us. We're called to be faithful in many areas of life. Being a husband, being a wife, being a father and a mother, being even a grandfather and a grandmother. There's some things we can't be. But one thing we can be, and that is faithful. So in conclusion, I've got a little bit left. There are many things that we could say about the life of Daniel. And just so I'm totally clear, this is my last sermon on Daniel with you people. Eric very has offered to take up the rest. No, he hasn't. Many men stop here. And rightly so. If you don't know what I mean, go read Daniel 7. May the Lord bless you. <laughs> so as I leave Daniel here, what can Daniel say to you? What does the whole life of Daniel mean to you? There are many things that Daniel's life could mean. But there's one thing that I want to point out, and this is what should encourage you and, and build you up. Persecution is coming. Wow, what a way to encourage. <laughs> Great. Persecution is coming, brothers and sisters. For some, it might already have come. I like to follow some of you on Facebook. Some of you I don't like to follow on Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. I do. I like to see what's going on in brothers' and sisters' lives. But I don't know all your circumstances. I don't know where you work. I don't know your family circumstances. I don't know what trials and tribulations you're going through. But I guarantee you this, if you're living a life that is faithful to God and to his word, persecution is either right around the corner or it's knocking at your door today. Or in fact, it might already have opened the door and walked right on in. And yet, sadly, how many Christians are, taken surpri are, are surprised when trials and persecutions come upon them? When we become saints and we become believers in Christ, it doesn't mean that we're healthy it doesn't mean that we're going to earn millions of dollars. No. 
It means that now we know our sin more and we have to do a heck of a lot more praying about it because we know what we are. Christ says these words, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were off the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not off the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Brothers and sisters, where are you? Are you in the world or are you off the world? When we look at Daniel, we see a righteous man. He had a great job. He was in a prominent position. But he faced sinners every day. He faced hatred. He faced jealousy. He faced envy. He faced malice. Heck, he even faced murderous intentions. Daniel wasn't disliked because he was aloof or because he looked funny or because he'd some social trait that they didn't like. They didn't like him because he was a faithful man of God. You see, a naive person will think that if they live for Christ that they can just somehow slip under the radar. If you're living for Christ like you should be, you will be salt. You ever take a mouthful of salt? I guarantee you spit it out brave and quick. If you ever go to the north coast of Northern Ireland and you get a mouthful of that salty water, it is the worst tasting stuff you've ever took. It's awful. We're called to be light. We're told to shine bright. We're told to stand out. But how many Christians for fear dull their lamps? They're not as salty as they should be. They try to disguise it. We are called to be off the world, not in the world. Should be surprised that when we live as Christians that people hate us. Should we be surprised when they put their nose up at us? Should we be surprised when they hiss and they spit at us? No, we should be encouraged. Because we're living the way that God has asked us to live. You see, the unrighteous person will do everything in their power to pull you down. I've seen it in my own work. Not where I work at right now, but back in Northern Ireland. You would be honest. You would tell the truth. Promotion would come. Nothing. You would be honest. You would tell the truth. You get pulled into human resource for doing something that wasn't yours. You'd be honest and faithful. And you'd go to Sedan and they'd move away. Brothers and sisters, this morning, those who are faithful to God and to His Word shall face persecution. But... I love the word but throughout the Bible. If you ever want to do a really good study, read through your Bible and find all the buts. Okay? But he is there. Daniel didn't do it alone. Daniel didn't do these things by himself. He got on his knees and he cried out to his Lord, and his Lord heard him. When the trial came and the persecution came, when men despised him, he sought as God. Daniel knew, look, he couldn't face these things alone. And neither can you. Please don't be naive about that. 
when trials come, when difficulties come, cry to God. This morning I ask you, how is your prayer life? How is your prayer life in the face of opposition and persecution? The book of Acts, if you've never read it, please do. The book of Acts is such an encouragement. The church is suffering from persecution. Peter and John have been released from prison. They've been told, luckily you two, no more preaching. Okay, zip it. But in Acts 4.23, these two men get on their knees. They don't cry to God and say, look, you know, we can't preach anymore. Really sorry. It's not what we can do. What do they cry to God for? For more boldness. For more boldness to preach the word. How easy would it have been for these men just to shut up and say nothing? No, they prayed for more boldness. How easy it would have been for Daniel not to pray for 30 days. Look, it's only 30 days. What does it matter? I'll just go on some little, you know, holiday. I'll take a time off. No, no, no. Daniel opened his doors. He opened his windows. He got on his knees and he prayed to the God like he always had done. Even in persecution. This morning, do we not see Calvary? Do we not see here shadows and glimpses of our Savior? We remember another man who went into a tomb. And another man who that stone was rolled over. And another man who was left to die inside that tomb. Daniel went into the tomb alive. And he came out alive. But another went in dead. But came out alive. You see, Daniel was faithful to his God to the point of death, Christ went one step further and died for you and for me. Christ was faithful for you and for me. This morning, we don't put our trust in Daniel, praise God, because he's only a man. He's dust now. He's been dead for a long time. We put our trust in the one true and the living God and in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, all of us need to stop. We need to think. We need to turn our eyes towards heaven. And we need, as it were, to recalibrate ourselves to Calvary. We need to think of the one who went to that cross and who died for us. The one who took away our sins. The one who every day will make intercession for us. The one who came in flesh 
to rescue us from hell. This morning, young boy, young girl, where do you you put your trust? Do you put your trust in your mommy and your daddy? Do you put your trust in all the, in my house, the toy cars that are coming out of our ears? This morning I pray that you would put your trust in God. For all of us here this morning, that we would put our trust in God, the God who took that ferocious lion that was ready to rip and maim Daniel and shut it. That's your God. That's my God. Brothers and sisters, when trials come, I know some of you are going through hard times at the minute because we talk, we pray for each other, we love one another. But when you see that trial come, you can smile at it. You can have peace in it. Why? Because the hymn says this, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Oh, what needless pain. Oh, what needless peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we often bear. Why? Because we don't carry things to God in prayer. This morning I pray that as your family after puts a headstone at your grave, and it'll say your name, and it'll say 1983 I don't know when I'm going to die. Thank goodness. And then below it, I pray that the inscription would be this, and I pray it for myself, that my family, my friends, my relatives would know that I was a man of prayer and a man of faithfulness. May we this morning bring our needs and our burdens to the one and the only one who is able to give us comfort, the only one who is able to give us peace, and the only one who we can cry to to remain faithful to. Brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ is that person. Let's cry unto him now in prayer. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you for your servant Daniel, who in these first six chapters of this book, dear Lord, instructs us to be men and women who are faithful to you. Men and women who will face adverse times. Men and women who will face persecution. Men and women who will even face perhaps death for the sake of the gospel. We plead with you this morning just as your servant Daniel was faithful. That we too here sitting this morning would be faithful also. We plead with you this morning that we would indeed repent and return to you, our great God. 
that you indeed would be our one true and living God, that the things of this earth, the temporal things would be of nothing to us, but that you indeed would be our everything. Dear Lord, even as we are about to partake of your table that you have given us, to be reminded of your, of your Son and what he did for us in Calvary, we pray for those this morning who cannot take it. We pray for those who are still outside of your kingdom. We pray this morning that you would grant them faith. That you, dear Lord, would take away the scales from their eyes, the deafness from their ears, that you would give them a new heart for these young boys and young girls. We pray and we plead that you would save them early in life, that the things of this world would not encompass around them, but that you would. That you would be their all. That they, just like us, could cry out, Abba, Father, and that you would hear our prayers. Dear Lord, bless us in the rest of our day. We ask that you would give us courage, even as we walk through those doors, to remain faithful to you, not just in this time, in this room, but wherever you have placed us. Help us to be salt. Help us to be light. Dear Lord, help us in these days to be faithful. We ask these things in and through your Son's precious name. Amen.